So welcome, one and all, to another episode of Wiki Weekends. I'm your co-host, Cal Smallwood, joined as ever by the lovely Lucas Holland. Oh, I'm lovely this week. Hello. I, I, I thought I'd mix it. Thing is, though, people are going to get, like, we're going to have to start topping each other when we say this. And I don't mean it in that way, the <laughs> fan fiction writers. I mean, like, you know, we're just gonna, and now I'm joined by his most preeminent success, <laughs> the Emperor. The Wiki Weekends podcast, where we scowl the lengths and breadths of the internet to find a wiki on something we personally find interesting, to go through it and just discuss what we find therein. And I believe it'll be you first this this week, Lucas. Yes, indeed it will be, as I just take a nice sip of my drink. Yeah, and what have you brought for us? Was that like Woody Woodpecker Donald Duck? No, it's just a a differently coloured Donald Duck. Oh, okay. It's just like a pop arty one where it's coloured differently. I thought, is that Woody Woodpecker? But that looks like Donald Duck a little bit. It's like Woody Woodpecker, Donald Duck. That's a, it's a hell of a crossover. It's one of the mugs that's like lasted me like half of my life. It's still in good shape. I've got, that was a mug. I'm like, you can see it if I put my thumb like here. That is a <laughs> mug that I've had for literally 20 years. But for everyone listening on podcast services where we yes. are available, they can't see our mugs, but they can listen to me introduce our wiki subject for the week. And that is talking about Hideo Kojima, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, okay, so that's the thing. I love Hideo Kojima. I love his work. I and should I just use? I'm going to get right into it. I describe Hideo Kojima as he is the Quentin Tarantino of video gaming. In that they make a lot of good stuff, mm-hmm. but they're fucking weird about it. Like they are very, very specific things they like, and they're fucking weird. Yeah, like in that it, way, that's charming, but also like a little bit like, real like Quentin Tarantino's foot thing. Like, yeah, and like, oh well, you know, I I'm capturing all of these like artists in with like, you know, the the best tech of all time, and it's like, what are you gonna do with it? I'm gonna make all the women naked as fuck. Yeah, so I go like, like for example, I had a tweet go mega viral from like last year, where it's like. In Dust Till Dawn, which was directed by Robert Rodriguez, but I'd like, you know, uncredited script rewrites by Quentin Tarantino stars in the movie. Mm-hmm. Quentin, there's a scene in that movie that's Quentin Tarantino helped write where Salma Hayek pours tequila down her leg and someone has to drink it off her toes. Quentin Tarantino cast himself in that role. Mm-hmm. And he's like that thing of like, and it's one thing for like, you know, an actor to do that, but Quentin Tarantino has a very well-documented foot fetish which means that he's like nursing a fat chub as he's doing that. And that just makes me really uncomfortable to know. Because it's one thing if like, you know, a director, like if you're filming a naked actress or whatever, it's like, it's your job, the Mm -hmm. scene calls. But when you know that he's like, it turns him on and that he wrote that scene and he had a crush on Selma Hayek and like they presumably did it multiple times. It's like, it just makes you uncomfortable to know that. And it's saying like Hideo Kojima putting like porn stars in video games that he has crushes on. Mm. And, like, scanning them into his games with technology and then directing them in the voice booth to make, like, sex noises when you, like, hit them, which is a thing he did for, like, Metal Gear Solid 4 with the beauties. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then he makes and really good games, in, like, so it's, like... Weird, like, skin-tie outfits and shit, and then quiet in MGS5 where he had to argue for, like... Well, for plot reasons, she has to be naked all the time. It's like, you're the one who wrote the plot! That was like, so it's fu- your plot reason. And, and it's because he had a crush on Stephanie Houston. Right, yeah. And now Again, he's doing just... like Death Stranding too of like, look at all these like celebrities that I like. So like, are any of them good actors? Like George Miller's a fantastic director. Is he a good actor? No, but I'm putting him on my game. Well, he, no, he's putting George Miller's face in the game. Yeah, not his voice, I suppose. He's he's doing that thing where like he probably should have done it with Guillermo del Toro, 
where it's like, I'm just going to scan this like well-known person's face and put an actor in that performance. Yeah. And just, just use their likeness. It's like maybe you should have thought about that for the guy, like who's a great director, Guillermo, but like not the best actor. And that's the thing. It's like, as I said, I, I use a comparison of Quentin Tarantino, but undeniably, like a creative genius, but a, like a painfully weird individual with very specific likes that are that border on uncomfortable. And you can see. Like especially since he's made Kojima Productions, which we'll get into and all that, that like since especially then, he's utilized his foot in the gaming industry to wedge his way into the film industry further and further and make friends with all mm-hmm. like the film people that he likes. Which obviously, like, you know, that's his prerogative. And that's the thing. Like, yes. want, but I said, there's a, the level that like gets gone to like with Quentin Tarantino. Like if him like he's got a famous quote of like, "Why are your movies so bloody and violent?" It's because it's fun. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you put, like... It's like there's a Michael Bay quote. And I think Michael Bay is a good comparison. Like, Michael Bay puts hot women into his movies in, like, you know, generically, stereotypically sexy scenes. Like, there's, like, the Megan Fox one and stuff. And, like, you know, yeah. that rightfully got criticised. There's, there's a lot of shots in Transformers where, like, that camera is up their assholes. Yeah, like. and that rightfully gets criticised. And when he gets asked, like, oh, I put hot women into my movies because I make movies for teenage boys... And he 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 understands that you know sex sells in that way, but when it's the Tarantino foot thing, and it's something that only he gets off on, and he's directing people. Yeah, there's quotes from like Margot Robbie talking about how there was a shot in like the film where I think it's like Once Upon a Time in Mexico, no, no, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where like there's just a shot of your dirty feet. He's like, yeah, Tarantino and me film that scene like four times. And I said, do you want me to clean my feet? And he's like, no, 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 it's good for the shot. And it's like, no, you mean it's good for Tarantino to go back to his trailer and wank himself silly? Like with a bit where he's like directing Uma Thurman, like wiggle your pinky. Mm-hmm. And it's like the thing of like, it's it's weird, right? Like it, yeah. it'd be better if like just Uma Thurman had tits out because that's like... It's less creepy, even though like she's not naked in the scene, because you know one person's getting off on it, and it's the one, but it's the person who wrote the film. That's the thing. It's the person who is in charge of the set and the movie and, and everything, they, and it's like and they engineered that power the, dynamic there, yeah. where it's like he's using his power to get off on his like own fetishes, and it's not that we're having to go at people with a foot fetish. It's that it's, we're having people. Having a go at people using that power dynamic that they have to like make celebrities do weird fetish things for them. Yeah, but obviously, like, you get it kind of flies under the radar with it because it's nothing overtly sexual, but it is to him. Mm-hmm. It's just like I say, it makes me uncomfortable. It's like him casting himself in roles where he just screams the n word. It's just yeah. like once he's like, sure, I guess that's a character in your movie, but why did you you wrote that line, you wrote that script, and then cast yourself in that role? Mm-hmm. Why? It's like that scene in Pulp Fiction that always gets pointed out, isn't it? Like, why did you write and then cast yourself in this role? Did you really have to say it that many times? We wanted to, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's straight same with like Kojima. Of like, I respect the work they've made, and I love. But just, did you really need to like hire, like you know, this woman and then like just mo cap it in the studio doing like a sexy rain dance for your OC? Mm-hmm. And that's that's why, like, you know, I think this is an interesting discussion. Of course, to have. yes. I don't want to sit here and be like, "Look, this is the greatest man in the universe for half an hour." It's like, no, this is a very like 
strange creative auteur that does a lot of weird shit that no one else is doing, but also does a lot of weird shit that other people wouldn't do. Yeah, like that's both sides of the coin. Because that's the thing. Like I said, that's why I clarify. I say I love Kojima's work, but just mm-hmm. there's just some aspects of it where I go, really, mm-hmm. really, and it's like it makes me feel conflicted. Very like when I'm playing for like Metal, yeah. I'm playing through like Metal Gear games, like these games are awesome. It's like okay, now do the Easter egg of looking at the naked lady and calling up your codex, so and getting David Hater to David Hater to do pretend he's masturbating. Oh, yeah. Or like Metal Gear Solid Five, like directing people in the voice booth to like for a completely pointless sexual assault that he vo- like voice that got voice acted. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is, you know, some of the weirdness you can write off as like, well, you know, he's Japanese and you might not understand the cultural differences, but then I'm pretty sure either way that shit's creepy. Yeah. Regardless of where in the world you're from. But anyway, um, Hideo Kojima is born in August 24th, 1963. Because that's mm-hmm. what threw me off is like, shit, yeah, the dude's like 60. Because he oh, said yeah. in... um a recent state of play where they talked about Death Stranding 2 and like this new not Metal Gear game that they're going to eventually work on in like five Obviously years. Obviously a Metal it's Gear like, game, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've been in the industry for like 40 years. I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah, you you, you have been in the industry for a fucking long time. Mm-hmm. Um, But he's a Japanese video game designer and he's regarded as an author of video games. Probably like, yeah, and, he's one of the few in the industry, isn't there? Because there's like... There's not many people who can like claim to have that that level of fame. No, there's not, and there's not many people that, you know, similar to a director can like put their name on a video game box and it have it mean something. And clearly, that's because he's been putting his own name on video game boxes and so you know that you know his name. There's like the chicken and the egg thing there. It's like yeah, he biked a Hideo Kojima production. It's like that thing of like a George Miller film. It's like okay, George Miller is like you know a huge creative force on the movies that he makes. Like I love Babe Pig in the City. But like George Miller do pay. Yeah, he did that after Mad Max. <laughs> well, that's that's what I was going to use that as the example because I was thinking you're, everyone always is going to say Mad Max, but yeah, it's like. He's not the only one who worked on it. Like, a film, again, exactly. is hundreds, if not thousands of people working in tandem. Mm-hmm. So it always feels really, again, it makes me feel conflicted. Of like, it's nice that one person is getting recognition and, like, you know, elevating, like, what video games are and having them, mm-hmm. like, you know, used, mentioned in discussions of, like, art and the messaging that games can make. But then it's been credited to one person. Yeah. And it's, like, Kojima, as great as he is in terms of, like, his vision for weird shit and cool shit. It's like he also is just like one person on that team. And yes, he is the head of the team mm-hmm. or um, a lot of the time is head of the team. Not always necessarily, but like, yeah, it's one of those of it's not him claiming credit, but when he puts his name, like Hideo Kojima game on the box, yeah. Hideo Kojima game in the credits, like Hideo Kojima game in the title screen, like, all the time over and over and over again and then in like interviews and stuff it's always like well i like being the one to cut the weird 10 minute trailer for my game introduction Mm -hmm. and stuff like i sit there and cut that and i'm not saying he doesn't but then that makes it seem like there's no editors working elsewhere for him lucas he clearly does have an editor i mean that's the that's the the most obvious thing is he doesn't have an editor not anymore he clearly doesn't have a no person there's no one who tells him that yeah it's really hard like, to have a person who tells you no when the company's named after yourself. 
Mm-hmm. And that's why I think Death Stranding and Death Stranding 2, and then the way that they're talking about this, like, Fizzant is what the working title is for the, the new espionage game of, like, well, guess what? I'm going to work on a new action espionage game, but also, it's a movie. And also, I, it's, I already, I already it's pl- like... I already played Metal Gear Solid 4. Like, he, he can't direct <laughs> movies. Because that's the thing as well, because no. he's, he's obviously he's obsessed with movies. And he's mm-hmm. so bad at them. He watches nothing but movies. And then, like, the cutscenes and stuff in Metal Gear games go on for, like, eight fucking hours. Yeah, that's the thing. Again, in terms of editing, it's like, he needs someone to come in and, like, edit those scripts down because... Like, Metal Gear Solid 4 ends with just, like, a two-and-a-half-hour two rant. It's a two-and-a-half-hour long cutscene. Yeah. And, um, like those cutscenes yeah. are great, but it's just like you look at them and go, you could have really trimmed this down. You could have trimmed a lot of this shit There's a lot out, yeah. of fat that could have been trimmed off this. And, yeah, he did develop a strong passion for action-adventure cinema and literature during his childhood and adolescence. Um, and in 1986, he was hired by Konami for which he designed and wrote Metal Gear in 1987 for the MSX2, a game that late, later laid the foundations for stealth games and the Metal Gear series, mm-hmm. his best-known and most-appreciated works. And then while he was at Konami, he also produced the Zone of the Ender series. That's, Zone of the Enders is fucking sick. And is, I'm going to give most mm. of the credit here. It's not to Kojima. It's to Yoji Shinkawa. I mean, that is one man that, for... A long period of Kojima's um, like career just also needs to be credited alongside the dude. And that's the thing, yeah. No one, people might not know who that fuck that guy is, but if you mm-hmm. played a Metal Gear game, the, the cover is always Yoji Shinkawa. All the character designs and stuff like that, it's all Yoji Shinkawa's like that work. Super sick, like really blocky. Like it, I don't even know how to describe it because it's it's just so uniquely him. So people can see and, behind me, it's like similar, it's like, I think it's Iwano. It's like the Final Fantasy artwork where he yes. still comes back in mm-hmm. and he still does all of the um, uh, the title cards and stuff like that. But not many people know that guy. And I probably got well, his name wrong. Um, no, I believe it is Yoji Shinkawa. Uh, no, I mean I like think, the, um, the anyway, Final Fantasy artist. Oh, the Final Fantasy one, right, yeah. Uh, well, you look that it's up. It's Imano, yeah, sorry. Yoshitaka Imano. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, like... I watched the, you know, the Death Stranding 2 trailer that came out, and it's weird as shit, and it's got those Kojima vibes, but I can tell that, like, I look at that game and the designs in that game and go, oh, Yoji. that looks like a Kojima game, because Yoji Shinkawa is still there making the character designs. And, like, that's the thing, I don't think that guy gets enough credit, because, like, just, I remember just seeing a description of, like, you can say what you want about his artwork, but the... The real reason it's just so good is because it's just so fucking unrelentingly badass. Oh, There's yeah, no other way. Yeah. To, it's just it's like Raiden. You look at like Raiden in like Metal Gear Rising and like Joe that sick like black and white <laughs> artwork they had. Yeah, that they literally stenciled onto like train station. What like there's a train station in Leeds. Not they, anymore. There's not. No, they had a giant fifteen foot tall Raiden that was there for fifteen years. And it was a poker stop, and people complained when they replaced it like a heck. Because it was just, it was, it was a genuinely awesome piece of artwork in its own right. Yeah, and I don't think it was quite fifty. I think it was like there for like eight years or something. But still, it was a good amount of time. It was yeah. a massive landmark in like just cool city art in Leeds, and like that was one of the first things you like get out, you see, and you're like, 
man, that looks sick as shit, and now it's just been replaced by something that looks awful. Yeah, but like, I say, I don't think Shinkawa, like, obviously in gaming circles, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, Shinkawa, like, he's the fucking man. He did, like, you know, he designs all the mechs and stuff. That guy kicks ass. But he's never, his like, name's never on the box. It's never on the box, no. No. That would be great if just one day, like, Shinkawa just designed the box art, and instead of writing a Hideo Kojima game, she went out Yoji Shinkawa game. Well, that's it. Have you ever, like, just gone and just every now and again, you look at, like, concept art for Metal Gear, and, like, oh, so it, all cool. of it rips ass. It's so good. Like, we everything that man draws. To have, like, um, pictures in and stuff, but just go and check out, like, concept art for, like, Death Stranding or Metal Gear Solid. Just look at anything that guy's done. Mm hmm. It's so good. It's so cool. Like, I. I have that up there in my list of like art books that I want to collect over the years. The like, one that's worth like four hundred dollars <laughs> and never goes up for sale. Mm-hmm. Or like um, an original piece, like Yoji Shinkawa artwork. I would love to have that on my wall. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. That's like just one of those of you know. I need to be able to go through all the Metal Gear games again and pick out like my favorite pieces of art. But it's like. Do I do I want to go through all the Metal Gear games again and watch like eighty hours of cutscenes? You want to play number two again, right? I, I think I, I want to. Like, I definitely want to play the remake of three, and I think I want the to remake. Play yeah, two again. Yeah, um, I can't wait to fight Volgin and then beat up his um, uh, twink sex slave. It's like Metal Gear Solid Four. I don't want to go through the amount of cutscenes, but I also don't want to skip all the cutscenes because yeah. it's an essential part of the game. And then number five just doesn't finish, and I'm like, great. It didn't cool. have an ending, so I can't wait. I'm wondering, like, Joey, number three. I'm wondering mm. if we're going to have the plotline of Volgin just being a sadist, where you have like him beating Eva. I wonder if we're going to have that because there's like again, there's a lot of like weird plot lines in that. Yeah, there is. Yeah. But, and I like, just stuff that's like, was this necessary? We know he's a bad guy. Like, look at him; he's got lightning flying out his eyeballs, and he, be, you, know, you know, he just abuses subordinates. Did you really have to put in like just the detailed descriptions of how he, like, you know, just um, beats women? And then on the same thing, you have like the cutscenes with like the pain and with revolver ocelot and stuff, and you're, oh, but some of it's so cool. Yeah, but it's like, the thing is that's what. Kojima's that thing where he makes stuff that would, if anyone else was doing it, it'd be lame as fuck. But it's because mm-hmm. you know he thinks it's the coolest shit in the world. And he leans so hard into he, it. He like, leans so hard in, yes. He go, he's, it's like he's trying so hard that he goes all the way around. It's like when we talk about certain like edge edgy, of like yeah. Edgy the Hedgy, Mr. Shadow the Hedgehog. Of like, he, he tries so hard that apart from in the Shadow the Hedgehog game, he goes all the way around to being cool again. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like he does the full 360. And it's like there's just some of his designs are like I'm saying again, I don't know how much influence he has on those designs. Like he probably like just sketches out a thing and says, like, hey, I want like, you know, the the Cobra unit. There's a dude who turns invisible. Yeah. I'm goes, sure oh. there is a level of collaboration. It's not again, it's not as if any of this shit is one person's work. No. But obviously, um Kojima and Shikawa both must have a lot of influence towards what the game like world and character designs and stuff feel like and look like, yeah. Um, And then just also at Konami, Kojima um, wrote and designed Snatcher and Police Noughts. Yes. uh, Graphic adventure games regarded for the cinematic presentation. And of course, like, that's a running theme throughout Kojima's career is, like, this cinematic presentation Yeah, and he's a... uh... 
a pastiche creator. That's why, again, I use a comparison of Tarantino, where Tarantino is a pastiche or homage filmmaker, where, like, just so many of his things are references to other bits of media. Normally, like, you know, obscure things from his childhood that he liked. And he, like, usually yeah. casts actors based on whether or not he likes them. And as well, like, you know, we'll talk about some of his early life in a second, but one big example is, like, the Metal Gear Solid game. Not Metal Gear, but Metal Gear Solid, I believe. Oh, okay, it's just Escape it from New York. was the one where it's Escape from New York, where Snake is Snake Pliskin. Like, yep. And then the in number two, his the code name is Pliskin, right, as yes. well, as a reference, yeah? Yeah, uh, Iroquois Pliskin. I always get that word wrong, because it's like a uh, Navajo word. Mm-hmm. But he said his but last yeah. name is Pliskin. And fun fact about that, John Carpenter was actually approached by lawyers. They're like, hey, do you want to sue this guy? Because like, if people, he's, he's one-to-one. Like the the artwork of like Snake Pliskin in the mm-hmm. first Metal Gear game is like just, it's traced over Terminator 1 key stills. And then the character right. is ripped off from that. Like literally it's one-to-one traced over. Of like just a <laughs> shot of like Michael Bean with the gun hiding from the Terminator. And then, mm-hmm. like, you know, the plot lines and stuff and the character, like, Big Boss, for example, having, like, the fucking eye patch and the mullet. And mm-hmm. John Carpenter's asked, do you want to sue this guy? He's like, actually, no, because Hideo Kojima called me up and he was nice. Yeah. Like, he, was, he was nice on the phone and said that he loved my work and I see it more as a, you know, it's a homage to something he likes rather than trying to actively rip it off. And that so, is no. the thing. It seems as though he spent a lot of his career just being a very friendly person to a yeah. lot of people, which has gotten... I go, you know, he's literally announced on like the stage with the Xbox of like, oh, hey, I'm just making a game with Jordan Peele now. Yeah. Because like we're, we're buddies and we just hang out and like film. And I feel like, you know, he has a genuine enthusiasm for the medium. So mm-hmm. he's like, he's not ripping stuff off. Like, in, he's not ripping stuff off because it's popular. Like, some of the stuff that he's referencing is like decades old. It, it, he's not doing a pal world, is he? Of no. like doing, just copying something popular for the controversy's sake. It's like, no, it's, it's like, like, I genuinely like this. It's similar, like, again, Quentin Tarantino, where stuff like Kill Bill. Do you know the bit mm. in Kill Bill, like, like there's the, he has, like, the five, six, seven, eights in, like, no, the the House of the Blue Moon, whatever it's called. Like, oh, I just like yeah. this band. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just like that battle, like, you know, the bride wearing Kill, like, Bruce Lee's outfit. Mm-hmm. It's like, I like Bruce Lee. So, of course, we're going to, like, you know, wear, she's going to wear an outfit that like Bruce Lee's. Bruce Lee and kicks ass. The entire Kill Bill 1 and 2 was, like, an amalgamation of a bunch of different homages to different like old school genres and stuff. To the point where it just like it literally turns into an anime halfway through, <laughs> which is like the best part of the entire film. And there's apparently like a, a two hour version of that that was pitched and never got made. Oh, like they were going to make that into a full thing, like a full Lucy Liu anime yeah. movie. Just yeah. Um, but yeah, just going into his early life, um, it's like yeah, he he was born in 1963 in Tokyo. Uh, one of three children, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's like, Jima said that um, in an early stage of his life when they moved to Osaka, he said it was an abrupt change of environment. He spent much of his time in the theater indoors, watching television or making figurines. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his parents, began a tradition, yeah. his parents began a tradition of watching a film together each night. And he was not allowed to go to bed until the film had finished. It's like they said, you will watch Godzilla with us. Well, I guess that's the thing as well, because that's what gives him like an encyclopedic knowledge of film, but also a broad overview of films. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't just yeah, watch the classics. Here, they, were a fa- they were a big fan of European cinema, westerns, and horror, and did not limit the type of films he was allowed to see. 
And then Kojima took an interest further in filmmaking when a friend brought a Super 8 camera to school and they began filming movies together, charging other children 50 yen to see them. I love stories like that where it's like, we made a film, but we're not going to let any of you see it. We're going to charge you just like a little bit. The thing is, it's always the story, isn't it? Of like, and... Presumably, like he didn't grow up like hard up or anything, because like these are always the stories you hear of like, oh, we got a camera, it's like, but a Super Eight camera would have cost the equivalent of like you know eight grand. But obviously, that's like his friend brought that into mm-hmm. school, so like it doesn't particularly say he was like. Well, it seems like he was, you know, not worth worth a note in his wiki page of like mm-hmm. whether he was well off or poor or anything like that so i presume but it's not everyone has access to like unlimited films and um, <laughs> a, a camera like actual film for a super 8 camera to not just cheap. bring into school yeah not cheap no no so no, remind no. like so... bill gates where they always like frame bill gates like do you know like you grew up poor it's like no we didn't mm. like he had, he had unlimited access to a computer and the point of comparison use is at the age he had unlimited access to a computer to learn programming would have been like having unlimited access to a helicopter like that's how prohibitively expensive they were well I mean he may not have been the poorest of travels because Kojima tricked his parents into funding a trip to an island off the coast of Japan without telling them he wanted to film there instead of filming he spent his time swimming and on the last day, changed the plot to being about zombies. He did not show the film to his parents. <laughs> like, hey, mum, dad, can you just, while I'm like a teenager or something, just fund a trip for me to go and film like my own little movie off the coast of Japan? I, he has such. I, I use the term, it's film student energy. That's mm-hmm. it. I studied film. I studied media. I've interacted with these people, and it's the people who are just like they fucking love it. Like, and it's like. I, I was literally like a theatre kid making high school movies with yeah. my friend. I understand, yeah. I get the energy, but it's just that, like... But I feel like there's not as much pretension. Like, that's why, I, again, the Quentin Tarantino thing, like, they were a scholar and a student of film, but there's no pretension there because the stuff they pull from is so eclectic. Like, he's like horror movies, action movies, and stuff like that. He has, like, no pretension about the kind of movies that he enjoys. He just he likes the things that he likes, and he likes them a lot. Yeah, and then it does go on to say here that um, when he was 13, his father passed away, and Kojima has discussed the impact of his father's death in interviews and the subsequent financial hardship faced by his family. Um, He enrolled at university to study economics, and then he decided from there to join the video game industry. um, You know what? Fuck this. It's like, yeah, fair enough. It's like he wasn't some super rich kid that could do anything, and like they did face financial troubles when his father died it seems um but yes it was like while he was in university he was initially searching a way into film production and he hoped that no if he would it's like He's, he, he would, wants to be a filmmaker <laughs> like did you know did you know kojima likes film um and then it's like he hoped that if he were to win awards for his written fiction he would be approached about directing a film and He's kind of not wrong. He just did it the really long way. He played the long con, yeah. And at this point, you couldn't <laughs> give him a film. Because but he, they are. He would bankrupt the studio. Like, that's the thing. Like, if Sony Pictures are actually going to let him direct a movie, if that's what they're hinting at, like, you need to have that person being, like, rein it in, dude. Like, he will bankrupt the studio because he'll want to put every actor in it. Mm-hmm. He'll want to reference everything. He'll want to, like, develop new camera technology for capturing shit. 
And that's the thing, because it'll be interesting with Death Stranding 1, for example. He was like, I have invented a new genre of gaming. I have invented, never forget, the strand game genre, <laughs> right? That was legitimately something he came out and said. He's like, I've got a new genre of game. I love the like strand game. I love that he believes his own hype. And it's like, it was yeah. a very fine game. And it did do some interesting new things, but it's not a brand new genre. Like, it feels as though it was an amalgamation of a few other genres, where, and it was very differently paced than yeah. other things. Like, it, it took its time. It let you just walk around its world and deliver packages. Like, not many games give you the time and space to do that, but I get that you're linked up with other characters, but, like, I guess it's the... It's like a construction equivalent of Dark Souls, where everyone's leaving each other's messages and stuff. Yeah, it's that thing, like, do you know what was, like, a new genre? Tactical action espionage or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That was and a new genre. So when Kojima's sitting there going, I'm making a new tactical action espionage thing, and it's going to be a film, and it's going to be a brand new genre of its own, all this, it's... Is it, or are you just going to have, like, an anime that comes out alongside it or something? Yeah. It's going to be a multimedia experience. And that's the thing, is like it's so difficult to because obviously I like, I love the stuff that he makes, which just mm-hmm. sometimes, like I said, he, he just he buys into his own hype. Which I guess it must just be difficult. Sometimes, diffi- Carl. Do you mean all of the it, time? But it must be difficult to do though, right? It must yeah, be yeah. so difficult not to when like basically everyone in the industry is lining up to lick his ass. Yes. And everything he's created has touched a gold. Or everything he's created has like you no know, turned to gold. Mm-hmm. And like he's consistently lauded as like the first video game directing auteur. It must be really hard not to believe the hype. Like when well, you just get given like a blank check from Sony Studios and said, make whatever the fuck you want. On that note, Carl, I guess we'll just go straight to his legacy then. Because yes. yeah, it's this man is one of, as we said, the most famous men in gaming at this point and mm-hmm. lauded as being like one of the great video game auteurs. If not one of the only ones. I mean, yeah, but, like, obviously, the person that people will point to, first of all, when you think of, like, who's a legendary developer, I'm sure everyone would say Miyamoto. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, okay. Like, very different styles. Miyamoto is, like, gameplay, gameplay, gameplay. Kojima's like, I guess we can put a game inside my 40-hour film. But I need need to hire more celebrities I can take selfies with. (laughs) I need to put Conan O'Brien's likeness in this game, please. So I, I need Which he to, did. Fun I, fact, he did. I need to meet up with Elijah Wood. Yeah, because like all the time you get conspiracy theories of what he's doing next. Because it's like, well, Timothy Chalamet's just been at his studio for a day. Like, what's Kojima doing with him? It's. Like, I think he's just hanging out with him. I think he just likes Dune. He wants <laughs> yeah. to meet Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. He just likes film a lot. Yeah. And then, but on the other hand, it's like, well, you know, he's got. George Miller scanned into Death Stranding 2, like Elle Fanning's going to be in there, and Del Toro, and um, Leia Sadu, and all that, and it's like, uh, even Norman Reedus being like the main character. Norman Reedus and his funky feet, yes, let's go. <laughs> but yes, um, Kojima has been noted for predicting and exploring themes in his works years before they gained mainstream notoriety on numerous occasions, ranging from the sociological to the scientific. Yep. And I'm sure, Carl, you'll, like, know straight away Metal Gear Sons of 2. It's, like, straight away, like, when people play that game, and like, why is that game mentioned memes? Like, memes weren't around yet, and it's, yep. like, no meme. The word meme has kind of changed culturally a bit different, yes. like, since then. 
But yeah, yes. Metal Gear Rising references memes in the classical academic sense where they are an idea that is passed on. I think even Metal Gear Solid 2 like mentions, yeah, mentions the memes. word meme as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, MGS2 released November 13th, 2001 and delved into uh, ideas and concepts that would become more culturally significant in the 2010s. Um, amongst these themes were post-truth politics, yep. alternative facts, yep. echo chambers, yep. fake news, yep. AI-curated fake news, yep. and information overload in the information age, and political correctness. And it's like, yeah, that yep. sounds like the 2010s. But it's like Metal Gear Rising is the one. Like, Obviously, he didn't have as much hands on that. Like, He basically got mm. he, he had hands off and then got brought back in. But it's like, you know, it's a Metal Gear game that he was like, you know, a producer on. And just like, yeah, that one of like, it was made 10 years ago and it predicted like a right wing fucking demagogue who's just going to go on stage and scream, make America great again and try and start wars. Basically, right? Yeah. Like somehow Senator Armstrong was almost like a parody of Donald Trump before Donald yeah. Trump ever ran for president. So, Senator Armstrong is supposed to be like the most cartoonish caricature of right-wing politics. And then he's like, the stuff he says is not as like crazy as shit that like, actual politicians would say. Like that Marjorie Taylor Greene saying like Jewish space lasers started a forest mm. fire. It's like, and I can I imagine know, that being in a Metal Gear game. I know people have mentioned in the past that like Senator Armstrong isn't, strictly a right-wing politician but i think like He's a so lot of the things that are in like his speeches and stuff are now featured more in like right-wing american politics than left-wing like people say he's libertarian it's like okay so he's, he's a he's, he's li- okay he's right-wing but you don't want to pay taxes <laughs> it's like i know people always bring that up um, as well they say what well, he, ne- he never it's never confirmed what he is and it's like well he's racist and he stood on stage screaming about, like, war being great. You can read between the lines. Yeah, you can. And it's funny here because um, it doesn't mention Rise and Revengeance, but that is a good one to bring up. But yep. obviously, as you say, he was a bit more off-hands with that project. It wasn't it was a like Hideo Mel- Kojima game. It was like Metal Gear Solid 4, isn't there? The idea of, like, you know, war and, like, you know, ID-chipped weaponry. Mm-hmm. And just, like, you know, war profiteering and stuff like that. Of Just, like, people walking around war zones. Yeah, and the idea the that like shit. war has been um, completely like privatized at that point. Yep, and it just um, goes to the highest bidder, or you have like Metal Gear Solid Five, where it's like I'm going to create a nation for soldiers because we're tired of fighting in other people's wars. We want to fight for what we believe in. We're going to be a private mercenary army that fights to create peace. Yeah, and like it does mention something about um, like the wall back here bacteria being used in the campaign and then it gets used later on in real life and it's i'm gonna like skim over that one a little bit because like that seems like it's really not nice to read through but um the metal gear solid 2 apparently the game received universal acclaim among its release for its gameplay and attention to detail yeah that's the other thing as well mechanically the games are so sound like there's the physics room with the ice that melts in real time Yes, yeah. It's like it it's funny just seeing like the plot was a divisive topic among critics with it's some it's t- calling it absurd and stupid. They're always the best. It's like this'll never happen. It's like we'd be like revengeance. It's like it's so yeah. cartoonish and so ridiculous. Like the characters aren't believable at all. And 
then you've got a very similar thing with Death Stranding, where Death Stranding released in November 8th, 2019. November 8th, 2019. Like, think about how close that is. To the pandemic, yeah. It presents a post-apocalyptic setting in which people live in isolated cities and prepper shelters, unable to go outside because of the hazardous conditions brought on by an event named the Death Stranding. And it's like, half a year later, the entire world was in lockdown and people were playing Death Stranding. Like, this shit hits real hard because I'm literally unable to leave my house. The best bit is that when you start seeing Uber Eats drivers going around with the big squares on their back. Yeah, like, and there was literally stories in Asia of, like, oh, delivery companies, like, food delivery companies are developing exoskeletons so that they can deliver more food. And it's like, this, this is sample of bridges. I, I do like, though, where um, he does that. Just all those gifts have been eating shit and dropping all the boxes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing is, I know the games, but I just love when you just see, like, Norman Reedus, like, stumble a little bit and he drops all his boxes. And he's like, because he's always, like, stacked, like, 18 feet mm. high. Because that's, that's one of the most fun things to me is just, in Death Stranding, I didn't particularly like the combat, uh, and that wasn't the focus. I didn't even really like it when you got into, like, ooh, well, you're in a zone where there's, like, the, um, it's not the BB, the BB's the baby, but, like, the the enemies where yeah. they're all going to come and get you and the tar comes up and all this jazz. Is that that bit just frustrated me? I just wanted to be like Mr. Porter yep. and just get my little boxes and just see if I can climb up this cliff. It's the idea just... that, like, so what's his full name again? Uh, Sam Porter Bridges. That's such a Kojima thing, isn't it? Like, he's building, um, he's building the bridge between the thing and a porter well, who moves things. It's like I can't remember the exact thing because Death Stranding is forty hours of convoluted mess, but like, it is something to do with like it, it's like occupation is the reason that he's called like Porter yeah, but it's, and it's, stuff like that. It's just all those it dumb makes th- sense, but it's also, it makes sense because he wrote it to make sense for stupid things. It's like that one, isn't it? Of like, okay, we've got the Cobra unit. This guy's really angry. What's his name? The Fury! It's like... <laughs> but again, he leans so hard into it that that's cool. It is. It's like, oh, this senator is like, you know, he's, he's strong arms the opposition. What's his name? Arm strong. Just like, Oh, who's this old guy? Well, he's called the end because he's about to die. Is it? What was he called forty years ago when he was a snap? Did they still call him the end? Like, what do they call this girl who doesn't talk? Quiet. Okay, got it. <laughs> I do like though. Where... What about the woman who's like can't get her skin touched by like the time range? She's called fragile. Mm-hmm. Like, right? Yeah, Kojima. <laughs> I like that one though, where like someone just said like Kojima um, should make a trans character because like you know he'd give them like, a. You'd just make him like eight feet tall and he'd call him that like, hard mommy or something like that. <laughs> and everyone would just be like standing them online. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's probably like what he'd do. Fucking, oh God, what was Big the mama. other guy uh, in Death Strand? Oh yeah, like Die Hardman. Die Hardman. Like, do you think this is a Die Hard reference? It's like, no, no, no. But the thing is, though, you know he thinks it's clever. That's what makes it so adorable. Because, like, he thinks calling the... Like, because you, I bet if you asked him what is, like, the significance of calling your character quiet, he would have an explanation. Mm-hmm. And that's what cracks me up. Of Like, he thinks... You know in his head he'd have to explain it because he thinks he has to explain that, why he did that. So why do you call mm-hmm. him Senator Armstrong? Well, you see, it's a very subtle allusion to the fact he strong-arms the competition. <laughs> I love as well... I was just quickly, I was just quickly scanning through. 
like the the games that he's worked on and got credits on. Yeah. And it just came up with like Super Smash Brothers Brawl. <laughs> yeah, like, he... well, yeah, of course. But he he did the uh, he was the stage designer for the Shadow Moses Island stage. Yeah, he had to come in as a like it's that thing of like he didn't really he just you come in and just be a consultant for five minutes. Like, and does then, this look uh, right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. It's great because you've got all these like Metal Gear games, Death Stranding, and the, there's only the Enders and stuff. But the first game he has credit on is assistant director for Penguin Adventure. <laughs> it's like that's the thing. He's like he's that's in his that's in his um uh, his you know his yeah his resume. It's but like George Miller isn't it doing like Babe. Like George Miller he did like Babe and Happy Feet and then did the, Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, the creator of Metal Gear of Metal Gear Solid and Penguin Zone Adventure at the end of Death Stranding got their career start with Penguin Adventure. It's so fucking funny to me because obviously that's on there forever. Yeah, but I'm just gonna look at like George game. Miller because George Miller's is so funny. Yeah, okay, so I'm just going to go through the order of stuff that he did because it's so dumb. Uh, so, like, writer, like, so, writer, director, it's like 17 films, right? So, he did, like, you know, Mad Max, Mad Max 2, Twilight Zone, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Then he was, like, the director for a Tina Turner music video because she was in Mad Max. <laughs> then he did Babe Pig in the City, Happy Feet, Happy Feet 2, then Mad Max Fury Road. He did Happy Feet. He did Happy Feet 1, and he came back for the sequel. And then he did Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> like, just the idea, you went from Mad Max into Babe, into Happy Feet, into Happy Feet 2, back to Mad Max. Yep. The last thing is, like, what, the guy's 70-odd, 80 years old, and, like, it's his wife who edits the film, and she edited. Mm. So, like, he's, like, 70-year-old wife edited Fury Road. It's like, guy's still got it. He's still got it. There's some life in the old dog yet. But, yeah, just, you know, it's... We could talk about the man's career for a long, long time, but I we just could. figured, you know, I, I, I always had him pinned as, like, a wiki thing, and when I would just watch that nine minutes of Death Stranding 2 of like, I don't understand any of this and nobody does. Yeah. It's like, maybe now is a good time to mention No one explains... That's the thing. Let's do the wiki... What we should do is just one week, do the wiki entry for Death Stranding and just read it out verbatim. <laughs> do you remember just we did... get to plot and just read it. Do you remember we did the episode on Final Fantasy thirteen and I just read the plot verbatim and Wikipedia mm. is like really good for plots because it's like, you know, it's a... A simple English summation written for someone who has absolutely no... That's why we do Wiki Weekends. Mm-hmm. So it's such Wikis are generally written for an audience who may not be familiar with the subject matter. So it's a really good starting point. And we did it for like yeah. Final Fantasy XIII. Like, what the fuck does any of this mean? And you started reading it to me, a person who's been in that game three times, and even I was like, I don't really know. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. But... Uh... Carl, I guess we can take a quick break before yes. we get back into your wiki. Perfect. And we are back from our break. Carl's got his little coffee in hand. But before we get into Carl's wiki, of course, I have to let everyone know that you can let us know which wiki won this week based off what Carl brings to us. And of course, we always mean which wiki brought the like best discussion mm-hmm. and not which wiki was your favourite subject. It's like, you know, what, what did you think? Like intrigued you the most in terms of the conversation. And but... I definitely think mine's going to be used to make the thumbnail this week. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Um, which we don't plan in advance. I we just don't have know. to hope that one of us like 
brings a subject that can make a good thumbnail and that doesn't always happen. But... Yeah, that's the thing, we don't plan these ahead of time. Obviously, we go research what we want to talk about, but mm-hmm. and I use research in the loosest possible sense. As in, like, we look at whether the page looks like a reasonable wiki to read. Yes, but we don't tell each other what we're going to do unless there's, like, okay, there's a big movie out this week. Are you, like, are you doing anything from Echo the TV show? Okay, mm. I'll maybe not do something from that. Of course, yeah, but you know, Carl, there's a new way to tell us which wiki won this week, right? There is, yes. Because we have set up a Discord for our Wiki Weekends stuff specifically, where you know you can go and let us know which wiki won this week. You can just have general discussions about like the videos or the podcasts for the week, and also just you know ask us questions and give suggestions and stuff on topics yeah, which a, we just, won't necessarily use. I was just about to clarify that. Yeah, free to give us suggestions because that's the ultimately we're going to talk about stuff that we personally find interesting or think would inspire a good discussion. Like, feel free to suggest stuff, but don't get mad if we don't take your suggestion. Yeah, it's more just, like, maybe there's things that we do enjoy that we haven't thought about using a wiki page for, but, like, telling us there to talk about Warhammer is not going to make us talk about Warhammer, because mm-hmm. neither of us are interested in that topic, apart from Warhammers. Warhammers, yes. Um, so, yeah, go hunt down that Warhammers episode, <laughs> I guess, if you haven't watched it, but... Yeah, you can let us know which wiki won this week. We're going to have like a poll posted each week. And I guess like every subsequent re- recording, we can let people know which one, which won. wiki won from the Discord. So yeah, there'll be a link, a permanent link, hopefully, if we can uh, make that work right and remember to do it. We can figure uh, it out. In the description below. So go join and go just generally enjoy hanging out with the community and hopefully we we do a good job of keeping active in that. But, uh, yes. I mean, I was going to say we can plug our Twitches, but I'm sure we'll plug our Twitches in, in the Discord. Discord. Yes, there we go. Keep it simple. So that's your task for the week is go join the Discord and let us know which wiki won this week. But, yep. Carl, which wiki have you brought? <sighs> well, Lucas, do you know that I love bad TV? Oh, what's he bringing? Because normally you talk about the bad TV when you can put clips in it. Yes. Well, this one is more, I think... It inspired me to at least have a think think about something. So you know, I talk a lot about media literacy. I mean, I, I think I, media... I've heard you talk about that once or twice. Yeah, yeah I feel like media literacy and like the ability to understand and pass media is very important. We just talked about you know, Hideo Kojima, a huge mm-hmm. fan, a scholar of film and media, who like you know just evidently loves it a lot, and you know that bleeds through into their work. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, one of the reasons why I watch so much bad. TV, some of which is like you know quite old, and you might say, "Well, why are you sat down?" For example, like we did an episode on um, like uh, what the Biggest Loser. So like, why are you watching a weight loss reality TV show from like fifteen years ago? And it's because media, even the worst kind of media, are like you know the most like you know, just tasteless. Like, just substanceless, like, reality TV I was going to say, you can say it, reality TV, yeah. It has, this, it's still a reflection of the time and the biases and stuff mm. that appear in them. And that's why I love watching, like, um, bad TV and, like, specifically reality TV, if, like, you know, on silly things or things that would be inconsequential, like, you know, Metalwork Masters and those shows where they make knives. But also procedural mm. TV. Because procedural okay. TV is like, we don't get procedural TV anymore, do we? Not on streaming uh, anyway. Well, the age of streaming, we get prestige television. We get like an eight-episode mini-series. We don't get a 24-episode procedural TV show, at least, you know, aimed at like, us. Like, we do, 
but then they cancel after a season or two. And they're not aimed at us. They still make procedural TV. NCIS is still getting made. CSI is still Mm. getting made. Like, Law and Order is still getting made in some way, shape, or form. But those shows are not aimed at us. Mm -hmm. And there's one that I always talk about because there's a meme about one of these shows, and that show's called The Good Doctor. Are you familiar with The Good Doctor? Oh, I've seen a lot of clips of this one. Because that's the thing. You're on TikTok, right, Lucas? Yeah. So did you see anything about just Dr. Han? Dr. Han? Dr. Han. Dr. Jackson Han. Because I don't know any of the names of any of the characters in it. I've just seen clips of, like, you know Charlie from the, like, Tim Burton movie? Yeah, yeah. that actor, and he's just, like, screaming at people. I'm a surgeon! I'm a surgeon! (laughs) So, do you know anything about The Good Doctor? Uh... I, I know that it's like a representation of an autistic doctor that isn't particularly it's done fucking very terrible. Well. Yeah. yeah. So it's a procedural show set in a hospital, similar to House, but bad. Because House is good. And one mm-hmm. of the things that I like about procedural TV shows is when like there's a gimmick. Like House has the gimmick of like is Sherlock Holmes with a doctor. Mm-hmm. I was like, lie to me. That's a police procedural where it's a guy who can read people's like, you know, emotions and body language. There's like The Mentalist, similar type of show. Psych, similar type of show. And The Good Doctor is a procedural medical drama where the main character has autism. But he has special Hollywood autism where he will, he is super smart and a savant, but also randomly breaks down on screens. What a great, and obviously the people have written about the show and its representation being fucking awful. But why I found this interesting is Lucas... The latest season, the final season, airs this year. The final season? Yes, it's still airing on, it's still ongoing to this day. I mean, I honestly thought, with the backlash of, like, the awful representation and writing on that show, yep. I thought that'd be a one-and-done season of, like, no, let's shut this down like, because think, we, we fucked up. Doesn't it feel like a show from, like, 15 years ago? Where it's, like, mm. it's a show about an autistic guy and the autistic guy has superpowers? Like, it's... On the level of, like, Sheldon Cooper, of the portrayal. It's, it's like, more fucking Rain Man shit than that. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, there are people out there like savants, but, like, autism is, it's a spectrum. Like, it's literally, and, like, but just Hollywood always has the most... It doesn't provide anybody fucking superpowers, That's the thing, I'm, like, and Hollywood just keeps thinking autistic people have, like, but they connect, it's either they've got superpowers, or they're, like, you know completely helpless mm-hmm. and it's like there's no in between it's like and they don't portray them like people it's like they are no. mm-hmm. but like but it's a show that's airing and it's getting a final season this year yeah i thought that that show looked so bad in its representation that it would last that one season that was already out and no one would ever watch it and like i guess maybe they're getting like a lot of views through like curiosity and rage clicks. No, it's because it's a procedural show and it, like I say, it's not aimed at us. It's aimed at like people in their 40s yeah. who just sit down and watch one episode on an evening. It's like those shows like um, like Chicago Fire or whatever. So there's like procedurals and there's a really great breakdown for a channel called Skip Intro that I'd recommend where they do a breakdown like, do you know like some of the most popular TV shows on Earth, like on TV right now, are ones you've never heard of. And they say you, person watching YouTube, because you're probably 30 or under. I've never heard of Chicago Fire. Yeah, and there's a show called like Blue Bloods, which is basically just copaganda the TV show, 
where they like it's the police trying to solve crime, and they have like episodes on like um, uh, oh, there's like a corrupt cop. We can't, you can't grass in a corrupt cop. We're cops, mm. like that. Yeah. Whereas, like, obviously, you've got kind of, I guess, our generation's version of what like a procedural cop show, what a cop show was. If like we have Brooklyn Nine Nine, where yeah. it's like a cop comedy, and then they kind of reevaluated the writing during that last season of like. Maybe a cool cop that breaks all the rules to be a cool cop isn't like the best character, and maybe yeah. we should re-examine this a bit. We'll bring it back to you know the topic of like Jackson Han. Um, mm. Not only was the meme very funny. So were you thinking about the Doctor Han memes? Where basically Joe, that I, so I'm a surgeon. Is, bit is Doctor Han that is the autistic main character? No, right? Doctor Han is like the villain, and that's what uh, I said. Oh right, okay. Passing media and like um, critical reanalyses. Because, like, it, the show w- presents Dr. Han as the villain. He's the villain of the show because he disagrees with the main character. And that, you know, that I'm a surgeon bit where the main character screaming, I'm a surgeon? Right. Yeah. And, like, they're just, like, completely, like, you know, over the top ridiculous acting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because, like, you know, Dr. Han is like, hey, um, maybe you, sh- like, shouldn't be a surgeon where, you know, primary point of care and bedside manner is critical. Mm. I don't want you interacting with patients because you're an asshole. Mm-hmm. And like, and just what, and he's in, Dr. Han's in four episodes and he is right. right in every scene he's in. But because the show says he's the villain because he's against the main character, even though everything he says is completely justified and like valid. I mean, yeah, like the clips again that I've seen of just obviously every clip that goes around as the yeah. ones where the dude is just screaming for very little reason. And it's like, I wouldn't want to have a surgeon that's just screaming at me all the time yeah. and gets like, well, really thing. rude. What's the thing? Well, let's provide some context if you've only just seen me. So, Dr. Ja- Dr. Jackson Han is the former chief of surgery at St. Bonaventure Hospital after Andrews was forced to give up the job when he was promoted to president. So, history, you know, keep in mind, this guy's in four episodes. In Risk and Reward, Han is hired as the new chief surgery, or chief of surgery, and helps take on the case of a baby with severe birth defects. Han immediately clashes with Dr. Sean Murphy, the main character, and rubs many of his new staff the wrong way with his distrust towards Sean. And his distrust is, is that this guy is a walking liability. He is a Mm. walking PR liability nightmare. Because in this episode where Dr. Han shows up, like, there's this mother, her baby's got birth defects, and she tearfully asks, well, I've got a history of drug use. Could could that have impacted my baby? And Dr. Sean just goes, yes. And, like, Dr. Han's like, fucking cut that shit out. Don't do that. Like, it's fair enough if you think it, but bedside manner, tact. It's like, but then it's, but I'm correct. Yeah. Like, drug use could affect the baby. Yeah, and it's like that thing of like, but I'm right though. It's like, it's it's not about the fact that you're right about this. It's the fact that it's an expectant, you know, it's a, a distraught mother. And that, what did that actually help? Did that help? Did that help solve the situation? No, shut the fuck up. And obviously and he's telling like, the main it's character. It's one of those, it's not wrong to tell uh, the person the truth. As a doctor, you should, but you shouldn't just present it in that way. You shouldn't just say like, yes. Tact, you bedside should, manner. Exactly, yeah. People skills. 
Mm-hmm. And then he says, like, after Sean's diagnostic skills, save the baby at the last minute, Dr. Han is impressed and decides to transfer Sean to pathology against his wishes so that Sean can continue helping patients but won't have to interact with them. And again, that is absolutely the right course of action. And it's framed as Dr. Han being a dick of like, he's my dream is to be a surgeon. That's why he's like, I'm a surgeon, I'm a surgeon. And Dr. Han's like, but... You're a liability nightmare. You're great at, like, you know, recognizing the issues, and I'm going to put you into an area where your skills will be valued, but your However, weakness... in terms of the way that you talk to patients is just it's... not okay, and especially uh, in, like, an American sense where, again, like, you know, it's seemingly uh, at least... A, as far as, like, what I've seen, like, medical American procedural, like, yeah. you know, doctor shows and hospital shows and stuff, like... It's like, oh, if anything goes wrong, including just the way I speak to a patient, we could get sued to fuck. Yeah. And that's the thing as well. In that sense, if that is true, yeah, I wouldn't want to risk that person being like talking to patients. The the fact as well is that he's always right. And Mm. he's incredibly patient as well. Because, like, when you think, I say he's the villain, you think, is he just a dick to the guy for no? It's like, no, he's very calm, very reasoned, and all of his, like, you know, reasoning makes perfect sense. Like, for example, in Believe, many of Sean's friends attempt to get Han to change his mind without success. Han is disappointed when he discovers Sean in a patient's room against his direct orders. And again, so he's been insubordinate. So he's been insubordinate, he's been unprofessional, and he is upsetting, you know, patients. And this is an American hospital, so they're not just patients, they're customers. Yeah. And it, you know... In that sense, the uh, the like one that I've watched the most and have like, I guess the closest reference point to is like in Scrubs. Yes, where it's like Doctor Cox is a great doctor, but at times is a walking mess. Yeah, and could just flip at any point at either patients or at like fellow doctors, including like the chief of medicine. Yep, and it's like. He keeps getting away with it because it's a TV show, but it's like Dr. Cox should have been fucking fired at some point. Yeah, and like it's just that thing of like, you know, he's got skills, like, you know, but he's, he's not a people person. And similar to, like, yeah. you know, Dr. Sean, it says here that Sean makes a case for the patient being misdiagnosed with an inoperable and aggressive brain tumor instead of a parasite. And it's like, again, fair enough, you're doing that, but you are directly contradicting me in front of a patient. And that's something Dr. Hamlet explains. Like, look, if you've got if you if you've got a problem with diagnosis, bring it up privately. We don't want to like, confuse or scare the patient. You can't again, do this. You can't act like this. That classic thing of just like, yeah, you you might be correct, but like bring it up in a professional manner. Yep, and it says that Han publicly gives Sean credit as the pathologist that saved the girl's life when it proves that this is correct, but refuses to transfer him back to surgery. And that's where you get like a proper Chad moment where he's like. I'm a surgeon. And just Dr. Han goes, you were, and walks off. And there's all the, the TikTok edits who just like... And the thing I love about them is, they were saying, like, calling Dr. Sean, surgeon cell, and him the hand, Chad. And it's like, when the surgeon cell hits you with the hospital phobia, so he got hit with the hand, Chad, stare. And I hate that I know what that means. It's, it's one of those weird things as someone who hasn't watched the show here and you explain this to me. is like, okay... But that entirely proves his point. Yeah, is that that's the thing. On he, a professional level, he was like rude and shouldn't have been in front of the patient at that time, like because they confused the patient. 
but he w- he was excellent at diagnosing things in the background. Lucas Han publicly gave Sean credit, but refused to transfer him back to surgery. Though impressed that Sean advocates for himself, Han uses Sean's ability to see the true diagnoses as proof that Sean belongs in pathology. Mm. And that's something he even says that like, when Sean's giving him some shit. He's like, I'm a surgeon. He goes, and I think they have this moment where he says, I'm trying really hard. And Hansa says, trying isn't enough. You have to get the results. And he's like, maybe one day we can talk about you being a surgeon again. But right now, you are not qualified. And do you know what the best bit is? The best bit. There's a moment where Sean gets to lead a surgery and he immediately pusses out, freaks the fuck out and walks out of the operating room while the patient is on the table. Uh, of course. Obviously, he yeah. comes back in and saves the day. But now imagine you come in and there's a guy saying, I'm a surgeon. And he's like, okay, so when did he, like, has he led a surgery yet? Yeah, he freaked the fuck out and left the patient on the operating And then changes the procedure that they're doing on the operating table without consent. Liability fucking nightmare. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure you can't even do that in, like, the UK where we're, you know, under the NHS and not under private healthcare. But- mm-hmm. Like, the fact that, you know, I've had multiple surgeries over the past few years, and I've had to sit down, have the exact surgery, like, read out to me, have a doctor explain this is exactly what we're going to do. Here's, like, the potential problems that could arise from it. Here's, like, what we plan on doing and what we hope to get out of it. Can you sign off on this, like, multiple different, like, sheets on it for me, like, to make sure... We have a record that you agree to everything we've just discussed. Yeah, but it's like, no, but Lucas, like, he's really good. And that's the thing as well. What, what, what you, I've mentioned before, like watching a show and choosing a character to fucking hate, mm. everybody coddles Dr. Sean because he's like the main character. And no matter how unprofessional yeah. he is, because he's the main character, everyone just coddles and protects him. And like Dr. Han, like he, just, he just seems like he's from a different show. Because he is, because Daniel Day Kim, who plays him, bought the rights to the Korean version of the show <laughs> and, and cast himself as the villain. <laughs> the villain, quote-unquote. In Breakdown, Han manages to get Sean, Lim, and Mendez, you know where those are, um, out of trouble with the medical review board due to their actions regarding the events of a quarantine. So that's the thing. Comes in once again, saves the day, smooths everything over, just being reasonable and, like, super handsome and awesome. Um, he takes on the complicated case of a man with a 200-pound tumour that the hospital is attempting to remove. Han refuses to consider involving Sean with the surgery, leading to an argument when Dr. Mendez desires to bring in Sean to help with the complication. Again, so now he's got another person being insubordinate to protect this person who is a massive fucking potential liability. Mm-hmm. And I will say, I don't know how many... Uh... People in the medical communities and, you know, medical careers watch our content. But I, I am curious to know <clears throat> whether, like, that situation could ever arise where they change surgery on you without knowledge. Please let us know in the comments. You're not like, allowed if, to do that. That's one of the fun... Do you know like, critical like, reanalysis I'm curious in, like, a life-threatening situation if there was, like, a possibility of that happening. Theoretically, my understanding is, is that it could... Like, you know, if they could just fight, it was done in the moment to save the person's life. But you would get sued to fuck, no doubt. Because you changed the course of treatment. That's why I'm curious. That's why, you know, as armchair expert, I don't want to be. I just, I'm curious if anyone actually has knowledge on this, let us know. But, um, yeah, like, it does sound infuriating where it's like, 
I'm, I'm making a reasonable decision as a character. Like, none of the things you've said about this do make him sound like a villain at the all. Thing, but he's the villain. He's the antagonist. And he's like, Ugh. So Han refuses to do this, even though everyone else is giving him shit. In the end, he reaches a compromise. So he's professional. Mm. He, he reaches a compromise where Sean is brought in to consult only. So there you go. And that's the thing. I'm going to give you a path. I'm going to give you a path back to being, you can consult. Mm-hmm. So you can act in a way where you have supervision to make sure you don't flip the fuck out and piss off a patient and get a sued. Mm-hmm. And it says, and in the aftermath, Sean confronts Han and forcefully demands his job back. When Sean refuses to relent, Han fires him. And like one of the things you probably didn't see in that scene, she probably just saw the meme version on TikTok, is that he walks in and like he says, I would like to ask my job back. And Han just sits down, he hits him with that hand, that hand chad stare. And he says, I respect that you've had the confidence to do this. I can see that you're trying. As I mentioned, like, but trying isn't enough. I need to see results. And then he starts screaming, I'm a surgeon. And Han says, look, I'm going to give you an opportunity to leave with your dignity right now. If you leave right now, we'll say no more of this. If you stay and continue to act like this, like the, the, in the exact way that resulted in me not trusting you in the first place, security will be called and you will be fired. And he sits down, right. refuses to leave, and screams at his boss's face. And then he's fired. Even though his boss was being perfectly reasonable. He's, so, the, like, he's giving him way more leniency than he probably should. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things as well that's like really um, uh, frustrating about watching it. Because like the show frames it as, oh, Dr. Han doesn't like, um, uh, like Sean because he's autistic. And he's like, no. It's like he never brings it up or comments on it. He just He's completely professional. All the time, and he just acknowledges that you have certain issues with dealing with people. I will put you in a position where your skills as like a diagnostician are taken advantage of. And like, you know, they'll be utilized to their full extent and we can work on the other things. I want to keep you in this hospital. I will do what I need to do to make accommodations for you, but you have to meet me halfway. Yeah, it's like we're going to make, we're willing to make accommodations for you. We're going to put you in an area that you're currently an expert in. And we can work on the rest of your abilities like further down the line and give you a chance to come back to surgery. But we can't and have, instead yeah. it's like, no, what an unreasonable villain. Well, Lucas, speaking of unreasonable, in Trampoline, Andrew fights with Han about Sean's firing. Andrews realizes that Han knew someone who was autistic, but all Han will tell him is that the person died. So he has history of someone with autism, but like, you know, it doesn't impact his judgment or his like, you know his work at all and like i said in every scene he's in he's completely reasonable and everything he says makes perfect sense and like i said he's more than accommodating and reasonable and even when like you really shouldn't be when you've got a person being directly insubordinate or like you know forcing their way into surgery mm-hmm. when someone's like you know open on the fucking table so we say, so though Andrews has second thoughts about hiring Han, Han points out the amount of money that Andrews paid for him and states that Andrews will make himself look bad to the board if he fires him. Later, the board, including like, you know, people involved, meet to discuss Sean's firing and Han refuses to relent. Even when Glassman points out that Sean inspired someone to figure out what was wrong with the patient for herself, making her, in a way, a better doctor. Han refuses to relent and tells everyone on the board that to rehire Sean, they must fire him, confident that they will refuse. Like, you'll keep me, the super competent doctor you paid a fucking fortune for, who has kept this ship in order, 
and has like you know dealt with like you know direct insubordination as a result of you like you know molly molly coddling a member of your staff and not giving them the accommodations that they need or require mm-hmm. so everyone's shocked yep. andrews chooses to use his power as the president of the hospital to fire ham and then um, <laughs> they rehire sean and that's the thing and do you want to talk about like, you no know, critical reanalysis? Like this is a show that's currently airing. When that meme came out, a lot of people started like watching the show and be like, "Why yeah. is this guy the villain again?" Mm. Because obviously the show he's portrayed as the villain. And a really interesting thing: if you go watch like scenes of this on YouTube, you, if you go look at like comments from four years ago, they're like, "Doctor Han's such a piece of shit." What's he doing? And I now can't you believe. See comments like, "What the fuck? Why is Doctor Han the bad guy?" Yeah, he's like so reasonable. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And that's within the space of two years. There's also yeah. like a bunch of other stuff. Like there's an early episode of the show where um, uh, Sean is uh, transphobic because a patient comes in. They present as female, but they were born male. And Sean just com- right. refuses to acknowledge them. He's like, well, they were born a male, so they're a man. And then, uh, and then someone has to explain, look, fine, but stop being a fucking penis about it. Like, Yeah, because, you know, it's well known that autistic people can't understand anything. It's like, great. It needs to be, yeah. It's like, why would you... It's so frustrating because it's like, okay, you're trying to have like an autistic person as a main character, but clearly, like the the actor isn't autistic as far as I'm aware, and it doesn't sound like any of the writers were either. Like, uh, it's not just, as much as well. Like the actors done like speaking for like Autism Speaks, which is that the charity the, that's like that one. That's basically like we're pretending to be for autistic people to, so tri- that to we trick can them, basically yeah. like trample them into the fucking ground. Yep, it's, it's awful. Like. If anyone doesn't know, like... Just yeah, go, go look up their speaks, Wikipedia page. Just, Jesus Christ, it's, it's a shit show. Like, do not trust anything that, you know, charity says. Yeah. It's awful. So I say, go look at their Wikipedia page. Look at their controversy section. Says it all, doesn't it? Like, yeah, the show with, like, an autistic main character, the actor behind it is, like, speaking on behalf of autism speaks it's like oh yeah. they're not to mention it's like oh look because they're autistic they've got to be transphobic they they can't understand social cues like but someone could just tell don't be a fucking penis about this it's like i yeah. say you're a doctor like you know and show also, tact bedside like, you if, treat the patient how they want to be treated. if they say call me fucking Re- sir reginald humphreys like whatever call them that it's about yeah, making it's, the patient comfortable that is your fucking job and it, the fact that it's like, well, clearly, like autistic people can't be like told something like a trans person exists. This is Lucas being sarcastic, by the way. This is not you no, saying. Yeah, I know. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what like this is what obviously the people behind the scenes thought. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's it's so bad. It's like again, just why do so many things have to be like? Well, you know, as you said earlier, like people with autism seem to only be written like for the most part. It it's has you know had certain characters have have been written well and stuff. I'm not saying everyone, but like there's been a whole thing for many many years of like they're either super powered because of autism yep. or useless because of yep. it. Yep, and just both of them are like just wildly um, uh, offensive. Mm-hmm. But that's what, what because of that though, like people have like they've recontextualized that thing and it's like, oh, Doctor Han is just a trans icon. Because, you know, he's, you know, he's standing up to a transphobe. So by by you virtue know. of that, he is now... So people were making, like, pride flags with Dr. Han's face <laughs> on it. 
And then it's as well, the framing, like, the firing as, like, you know, the hospital being, like, anti-Asian. Oh, so, obviously, like, yeah, you know, yeah. this episode was, like, airing during the pandemic, during, like, the height of, like, um, anti-Asian discrimination. And Daniel Day Kim was talking about that. Mm-hmm. Of, like, you know, this is fucked up. Like, why are people doing this? Like, you know, I'm a Korean actor. Like, stop, stop, being a, stop being a dick to people like this. Because like, idiots have been told that it's like the quote unquote China virus yeah. and all so like, bollocks. So he was just like, so people were just holding it up of like, yeah, the hospital in the show. <laughs> He's just being like, and then they start to move like justice for Dr. Han. I, um, I do want to say as well, I think it's important to note that like, um, you know, neither Cole or I are autistic, but like we, we just want to, you know, say that Obviously, other people have spoken out about how offensive this portrayal is, and we don't yeah. pretend to speak on behalf of those people, just to make it clear to anyone that's not aware. But, like, you know, it's just disheartening to see how, like, offensive this is and has been to, like, plenty of people. And, like, you, you saw the immediate backlash with, like, clips like that going around social media. And that's like, the thing, the yeah. Like, is this writing? like I said, it's a show that is getting a final season released this month. Mm-hmm. And it's a show that a lot of people did not know was not aware of its existence until they saw clips of how offensive the portrayal is on TikTok. And that's what like, I mentioned earlier, that Skip Intro guy. He talks about how like, one of the most popular shows is literal propaganda for the cops. Mm-hmm. And it like, portrays like police brutality as like, a good thing. And it's one of the most popular shows on television. And you've probably never fucking heard of it. Never heard of it. And there's, there's actually like a lot of discussion on uh, TikTok that I've seen right now about the... Um, portrayal of autistic people on Love on the Spectrum. So, like, that's another, like, you know, thing that is still an ongoing conversation that I am not equipped enough to talk about myself. That's why we're talking about it more but, from the media perspective. The per- exactly. And yeah. also the mean perspective. And it's just that thing of, though, what really, really gets me is people pointing out the actor playing Dr. Han, Daniel Day Kim, is a very handsome man. But, oh, yeah. But you were aware of, like, him. the yeah, Giga yeah, yeah. Chad meme? Of, like, you know, um, the, the super masculine, like, guy, like, the, the beard, and, like, they'll the, do, like... The, the big chin. They do, like, everything. the black yeah, and white yeah, fade-outs yeah. so and just coming in mm-hmm. of, like, you know, for someone who's just, like, a proper, like, bro. And I mean, like, bro in the way of, like, you know, just a super cool dude. Like, people mm-hmm. have pointed out, like, Daniel Day Kim looks pretty much exactly like that meme. <laughs> so if you look at the Discord... Daniel Day Kim is... Uh, is and has been a good-looking dude for, like, so long. Yeah, like, but I think, look at the picture I sent, Lisa. It's so close. It's like, it's like he's the regular human version of the super-exaggerated Yeah, meme. so obviously it's so meme-worthy because you just have, like, this guy screaming, like, be completely irrational and, like, just acting like, a, like you know, a, a baby. And then it just... It mm. just in the actual episode is so funny, even without any edits, because it just cuts to Daniel Day Kim just going like <laughs> smoldering, and you can tell like he's stifling a laugh. Like I can't believe I've got to deal with this shit. Yeah, and it, it is just the combination. Daniel Day Kim's like cheekbones and jawline, like holy shit! And that that's Lucas, a sculpted like, face. Lucas, what do you do when they hit you with the hamster? It's like, but that's how he looks at him when he's like, Joey, he's having that. Because it, it feels like a meme, right? It's mm. literally that meme of, like, you versus the guy she tells you not to worry about or whatever. 
And that's what that's why it became so funny. But I like the idea that this meme caused there to be an actual, genuine conversation with people. Like, wait, there's a show about an autistic doctor that's just like fucking offensive as all balls. And there's yeah. this like really reasonable, handsome Korean guy, like a, a character in the show who's portrayed as the villain for not wanting like the walking. But just being a reasonable dude, from the sounds of it, yeah. And that's the thing is like I. Again, I cannot believe this got more than one season because, like, it's... the only time I ever heard about it was here's a bunch of viral clips of how offensive this show is and how badly it's written and acted. It's like, and that's getting seen to the end. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like it's coming out this year. That's what I mean. It feels like something that came out years ago, doesn't it? It's like Big Bang Theory. Mm. Like, that ended, like, what, five, six years ago? And you watch it, and it's like, we were watching it at your house over the weekend. It's like, man, this show is fucking dire. We literally, we joked about, like, oh, should we put it on to see how bad it is? And we did in the end. And we just, every single episode, it felt like we could have done an entire breakdown on everything that was wrong with it. Just like just like when, you know, like Howard, just the way he acts towards women, and then yet the audience, mm-hmm. like, just howling with laughter. As, like, this sexual predator makes horrible jokes, like, jokes, quote-unquote, every line, and, like, the, the audience are laughing at it. It's like... No, this 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 dude is just being a creep the entire time. Yep. They get like later down the line, they kind of try and do a bit of a reversal on that character by having him with Bernadette become a more like reasonable character and a bit of just a dick to his friends mm-hmm. rather than a full on sexual predator. But it's like, man, that's that show got like what ten seasons or something. Yeah, they were like one of the, like the highest paid shows. But there you go, Lucas. There's like a comment from like four years ago. Like, I'm very proud of Sean, but mad at Doctor Han for not letting him be a surgeon. His first surgery, he walked out of it and left the patient on the operating table. So proud of Sean. Oh dear. Like, can you imagine, Lucas? Right, if you like, you found out your doctor just flipped the fuck out. Me, and that's the thing as well. It's like, I'm a surgeon. It's like a surgeon is like one of those jobs where you do not want an over emotional surgeon. No, you no, need no, no, someone no, no, no. who is cold, not cold, clinical. You want someone who is clinical, direct yeah, to the point. Again, like it's not as if you don't want them to be like a goddamn human being. Like you want them to be able to again have some bedside manner and talk to you and empathize with you. But you also want them, when it comes down to it, to be able to like shut that part of the the like empathetic part of the brain off, and as you say, just become clinical, surgical. Yeah. That's what, yeah, you, and you want them to be able to, like, you want... When I'm on the operating table, I don't want to worry that my doctor is going to have a fucking flip out and walk mm-hmm. out where my chest cavity is open and then have yeah, to have... If I got told, like, well, mid-surgery, your, your surgeon did flip out and leave the room for a while, but we did manage to calm them back down. They came in and finished it. It's, Get me a different surgeon well, next what, time. That's what happens as well. And then, like, all the rest of the characters go and comfort that person. Instead of being like, this person is clearly not cut out. And Joe, the only person who recognised that is Dr. Han. <laughs> the evil guy. Yeah, the right? guy, he's the villain. They fire him because he's like, well, you can, either f- you can either fire me and rehire that guy, but I'm not rehiring him. He's mm-hmm. insubordinate, he's a liability, I'm not doing it. And it's like, yeah, you're fired. You would think as well, the, the moment, uh, like especially an American hospital, again, like private healthcare and all yeah, that. They're not just... Like, they're like, they're... They hear the word liability as a doctor or a surgeon or whatever, and you'd, you'd think second one, they'd be like, yeah, that's the person we don't want. Immediately, yeah. 
Oh dear, but yeah, it's just, it seems like that show is just written poorly in every way. But, like, there's people out there who love it. Like I say, look at the comparison yeah. of the two images mm-hmm. I sent Lucas of, like, four years ago when the scene was first, like, aired, people, like, they hated Dr. Han. Years later, like, you know, a younger audience with a more critical eye, like, you know, an eye mm-hmm. towards, like, you know, media, and that's the thing, media literacy. And, like, if you actually sit down and break down what happens in those scenes, it's like, Dr. Han is completely correct. Mm-hmm. Is none of the descriptions of the episodes that he was in sound like he was being unreasonable at all? If anything, he's more reasonable than he should be. He should have fired him second one. Mm-hmm. If anything, he was a bit of an idiot for not doing so, yeah. Yeah, like the moment the guy walked out, like the moment he walked in and says, this guy's a surgeon, the last surgery that he did, he left the patient on the operating table. It's like, well, he's not a surgeon anymore then. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't want people to think like the wrong way about that. I don't don't mean to say like, oh, well, he found out there was like an autistic surgeon and he should have fired him. Is like, no, maybe he should have fired him when he started like screaming at staff, like being completely insubordinate, not treating cust- like customers, uh, yeah, patients with bedside manner, yep. walking out on surgeries, like telling like you know a, a complete uh, you know a uh, a mother who's completely inconsolable. And even even just as you say, like being completely transphobic. But do you know what the best bit is, oh, like, Lucas? There's two wi- there's two like, wikis I could have used. Fire the yeah. person. There's two wikis I could have used, and one is like the good doctor wiki, but there's also Doctor Han, Doctor Jackson Han on the villains wiki. I was gonna say, is it on the bad doctor yeah. wiki? So do you want to like you know, <laughs> people people is. joke that like, he should make like a sequel and just call it the better doctor? I just, thought you were gonna say the bad doctor, Doctor Han. Just do you just want to like just to doctor. end on? Do you just want to like go on like just that one just for the fun stuff? Do the quick, the quickie wiki. Okay, so uh, you know a quote from Doctor Jackson Han. Would you have ever said something like that to a patient as a resident, as a med student? And Murphy doesn't even understand he said anything wrong. No matter how hard he works, no matter how hard you try and help him, his limitations are not going to change. He's going to continue to inflict them on our patients, all in the name of diversity and inclusion. And that's where people think, oh, he's framed as the villain. It's like, no, he's just, he's not suitable for this role. And he, even in that description, he, he notes multiple times, he gives him credit. He says, good job, props. Clearly, yeah. this is a job for you. This is where you will excel in this field and we can work with your other issues. But this is a hospital, it's literally a life or death, you can't fuck around. Mm-hmm. But he is the main antagonist of the second half of the second season and the overarching antagonist of the third season of the ABC medical drama, The Good Doctor. See, this is what I don't get as well. It's like, yeah, I guess that even in that kind of procedural, like you, I guess you want to have some clashes and stuff, but surely in a hospital procedural, the bad guy should be like the illnesses. Yep. You think the villain will be like cancer? Like the diseases, yeah, exactly. Like, surely the bad guy is a two hundred pound tumor. He says here, not a guy trying to do his job. But his powers and skills are surgical expertise, manipulation, and intimidation. And that's the thing—they say that. And his manipulation is like when they come in and they start giving him shit. Like the the board is giving him shit. He goes, "Look, you know what? That's fine." But if you want to start, like, you know, pouring through my life with a fine-tuned comb, I'm going to do the same things. I've hired a private investigator to follow you all around. And, like, the, okay. the medical... The, That's a little bit fun. No, the board's like, what do you mean? He goes, well, I'm sure there's, like, you know, there's nothing bad in your past, right? So do you want to continue down this avenue or do you want to let me do my fucking job? And they go, do your job. I mean... I, I get that that's a, a cool power play, 
But that is a little bit funny. But also as well, because when you've got the context of Dr. Han is always right, mm-hmm. you're like, you know what? Yeah. Because as well, the board, like I said, they fire him to bring this guy back just because they mm-hmm. like him. Yeah. And they bend over backwards to bring him back in. It's like his hobby is bullying his surgeons. His goal is to remove Dr. Sean Murphy from surgery to pathology, then fire him should he ever challenge his authority. Which, you know what? Is is this written in, like, a satirical yeah. way? He's, he's, yeah. he's, but that thing of, though, like, he, he, he was insubordinate and challenged my authority. It's like, yeah, I'm the chief of surgery dipshit. <laughs> <sighs> oh, dear. Then there's like just some quotes from him here. These are all like hilarious. So, yeah. So, um, so we have here. So Han confronting Sean. So Sean says we could patch each individual hole in the heart if we cut open the ventricle. And just Han's like, no, shut up, don't change the subject. And he's like, Sean's like, I didn't, Doctor Han. We were talking about the baby. And he's like, really? You don't see any difference in the nature of your discussion before I arrived and after. And he's like, you don't see any difference in like clinically talking about cutting a baby's heart apart and then like you know browbeating the distraught mother. Mm. And then just straight afterwards, Doctor Murphy, do not talk with these parents again. And yeah, it seems like he probably shouldn't. Yep, that's the thing. You just every time it's like. That sounds like a good decision, Doctor. Yeah, that's mean Doctor Han is all, the Han Dynasty will rise again. They have here. Someone says to him, "You're pretty tough on my residents, rebuking them in public, pimping them out with questions during surgery. Shame-based learning isn't my style." Han's like, "I'll bear that in mind, but this isn't about my treatment of residents. You're concerned about Doctor Murphy again. You are using that as a shield. It's like you're not actually you don't give a shit what I'm doing. It's like you are protecting one person that you have an affection for. That is favoritism, and that's." Like, you can't do that. You can't show favoritism with people in, like, you know, employment. In, a, in like, a medical setting. And that's yes. the thing, yeah. And that's the thing of, like, you know, Dr. Han does not play favourites, but he does make accommodations. And that's something people have pointed out in regards to, like, the portrayal of, like, you know, his, um, uh, like his social difficulties. Of, like, other characters coddle him and allow him to just... And they let him make his mistakes and, like, act like a dickhead and, like, scream and, mm. like, shout in public and go, oh, what's he supposed to do? He can't help it. Whereas Dr. Han's like, I want you to work on this, but until you can, I'm going to put you in a position where, you know, these things that, you know, cause you issues are not present. If you have trouble, like, interacting with people, I will put you in an area where you don't have to do that, but you can still consult. And that's the thing is, that would be an insult if it was you're going to pathology and never speaking to a person ever again. Mm-hmm. But when it's, no, you're going there for now because you keep making mistakes on the social side with patients. Yep. But we can work on it and see in the future if you can come back. It's like, that's where it turns around for me. Of like, no, it sounds like he's just being reasonable. Yeah, and that's the th- it's like a, a great thing was that there's a difference between, it's like, you know, he's giving them equitable, I think it's equitable treatment, where it's like mm. giving everyone equal access to the same services is not the same thing as like, it's like, that's equality, but equity is like, you know, you make, give everyone the same access based on like, you know, their own, the accommodation you'd have to make for them. Mm. And that's like what Dr. Han does. Okay. Like, you know, I'm not going to like, you know, just let him get away with stuff because of this, but I am mm-hmm. going, I will keep it in mind when making my decisions mm-hmm. and I will be more than reasonable. And then we have this quote. So, Sean, you have remarkable diagnostic skills. I have to admit you are an asset to this hospital. Sean, yes, I am. I spoke to the residency director of pathology and we both agree you'll be a great fit there. Sean, but I'm a surgical resident. 
Dr. Han, as a pathology resident, you'll touch cases and lives across all medical departments. It's an opportunity for you to help with patients without having to deal with patients. Given your difficulties with communication and social cues, I think it would be a much better fit. Sean, no, thank you. I have been working very hard on my communication skills. Dr. Han, hard work isn't enough. You have to do the job. Sean, I'm a surgical resident. Dr. Han, you were. Just the, the shut down. But yeah, it's one of those things that, again, yes, you're trying, but until you have provable results, like yeah. maybe we should move you to a different department. As like I said, he's a, he's a liar. Bit of and that's the thing, so how reasonable is he there? I acknowledge your mm-hmm. skills, but I also acknowledge your difficulties. Mm-hmm. And we have here another one. I've heard, and this is... Um, Someone advocating for Sean. I've heard a lot about you and where you stuck to a supervisor. Is that what's happening now? Claire. Yes, I put together a list of cases which Dr. Murphy contributed to uniquely. Dr. Han. You're a very loyal friend. Claire. I specialize. I specified the ideas he had ideas that no one else had around here. Sorry. I specified the ideas he had that no one else around here could have had. Han. Do you think I hate him? Claire. No, but I think you might be biased against him because of his condition. Dr. Han. So he doesn't have a communication issues? I'm wrong about that? Claire, no, he... Dr. Han, if he had the flu, I would tell him to stay home until he got better. Claire, he has autism. Dr. Han, cutting him off. I could tell him to stay home until he gets better. Instead, I found a place for him to help. Help us save lives. And you should know I have rather mixed feelings about loyalty. And again, how fucking reasonable is that? Mm. It's like, did I tell him to go home? Did I fire him? No. Like, no. Did, am I ignoring anything you're saying about him being able to contribute to cases and being an asset to the hospital? No. But now he'll do it in a place where he's being accommodated. And if he wishes to and, do something else, we will work on that. But not now. And it's like, does he have communication problems that have been causing active problems? That like, yeah, but... It's like, no, but... No, but just like, let's do something about it then. Then we have Sean when he's going through someone's like be- he goes to a patient's belongings in direct insubordination of his superior but also that's not a thing you should be doing. You shouldn't be going through no. a patient's belongings. Dr. Murphy any reticence I had about removing you from surgery just vanished. You shouldn't be in contact with patients or their families or anything that they own. Do you understand or am I going to be forced to fire you? Again a very reasonable thing and a very clear Concise instruction. Yeah, it just... Uh, Again, I've not seen the show, but I don't know why this guy was written as a villain. And then we have, like, Dr. Han. So when Sean comes in, I don't want to go on walks, I don't want to move on from case after the tests are done, I do not want to be a pathologist. I need you to make me a surgical resident again. Dr. Han, I appreciate you telling me that. I was wondering whether you had it in you to advocate for yourself. But the truth is, Sean, what you did today, it proved I'm right. Your skills are tremendous, but your weaknesses are equally as significant. You could be a great pathologist. Just think of all the sages out there waiting for you to save them. It's just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just then we have like, like as well this one this final one and this happens Lucas are during surgery. Melendez, okay. we need to get Murphy in here. It's a blood flow problem. Murphy has a special talent for visualizing complex anatomy. Doctor Han, we don't have time. We need you to stop the PES now. Melendez, ignoring his like orders, paging Doctor Murphy. 
No, do not page Dr. Murphy. I get it, you like him, but we do not have time for an audition. Melendez, I'm trying to save my patient's life. My patient, which means it's my call. Dr. Han, I am also trying to save your patient's life, so I'm urging you to stop wasting time. They are literally losing blood. Do something. Don't wait for someone else to come along. Do something now. I am the chief of surgery. This guy is a proven liability in this scenario. You are wasting my time. It's not even that. It's like, why are you fucking around and paging someone right now? Yeah. It's like, you're a surgeon too. Get something done. Now we have Sean. I'm a surgeon. I'm not leaving your office till you reinstate me. Dr. Han. What are you doing, Sean? Do you think ordering me to do something will change my mind? Do you really think it's a good idea to bully me? But no, I'm a surgeon. I'm a surgeon. Do you realise that you're proving my point? That you're acting immature? Showing that you don't know how to communicate and that you cannot control your emotions? Sean, I'm a surgeon. But do you have the talent that I value? So I'm going to give you one last chance to maintain your dignity and leave my office now. Because if I have to call security, you understand that I'm also going to have to fire you. Sean, I'm a surgeon, I'm a surgeon, I'm a surgeon, I'm a surgeon. Dr. Han, I am a surgeon. And Dr. Han just hits him with the hand chad stare. Just that, that I think, was the first exposure that I had, was that clip going viral. Yep. And it was just like, why why is this show on air? And then we have finally... Like, it was, why is that just happening? This is where Dr. Han is being reamed out by like the people, uh, you know, the board. Andrews, I'm concerned with how you dealt with Dr. Murphy. And like, have you ever known anyone with ASD? Andrews, well, not well. Have you? Dr. Han, well, when you give people responsibility they can't handle, the results can be devastating. Andrews, well, every time Dr. Murphy's been given responsibility, he's risen to the occasion. Han, cutting him off. He's never been given responsibility. He's been given things to do, but always with somebody right behind him. I'm the first one to really challenge him, and he failed. And just like, he is never wrong. And that's the thing is, at no point does it sound like he is dismissing him because of his autism. No. No, I, the only person who's not, as you say, giving him that, like, safety net and having someone watch him all the time. And if if, if he makes a mistake, someone will cover for him. The moment he made a mistake on his own, like, now he's culpable and responsible for it. If anything, Dr. Han is actually treating him more fairly because he's, like, you know, Mm -hmm. he's not you know, coddling him. He is treating him like a peer. And when he makes a mistake, yeah. or, you know, he, he, like, you know, he fucks up, he's not, like, allowing him to use the excuse of his condition. He's like, no. You know, if you say you're a surgeon, like, fucking own up to your mistakes. Like I said, mm-hmm. you are, do you think you're acting irrationally right now? Do you think standing in my office screaming and crying is going to convince me that you're a good fit to be a surgeon? If this is how you react to not getting your way? If this is how you react to, like, something that inconveniences you? What's it going to be like in the operating table if you start to lose the patient? Can I trust you not to do this? Well, evidently we can't because the same thing happened. It's like saying, he's always right. He's the most right character. Yeah, it sounds like it, as someone who, again, hasn't seen the show properly, but like, it's just so frustrating the whole time. Like, yeah, it, Lucas. Yeah, Dr. Han is right, but why is this the portrayal that people get of like an autistic yeah, doctor Lucas. or autistic surgeon? Lucas, it is a fucking... I've been watching it and I go up to the episode where he just walks out of surgery because he's like, you know, he can't deal. And then just like, if the, and then late when it comes in, I'm a surgeon, I'm a surgeon. It's like, no, you're not. Oh, it's just so frustrating. Just like listening. It's like, yeah, this is, this is apparently what representation is. It's like, great. Fantastic. Like just we've we've mentioned many a time on 
you know, Wiki Weekends over the years, like, representation matters and it needs to be done well mm-hmm. and, like, this kind of shit is why. <sighs> it's like... It's so annoying. It's just... just the, the response of, like, justice for Dr. Han. Yeah, it sounds like, like I guess it. I said, just like justice for Doctor Han. He did absolutely nothing wrong. He got fucking fired within like four episodes. He got he got fired because what did he do? Um, well, someone was making huge mistakes, and he was looking out for the best. It's like when you watch, it, it's so funny to watch like this and House, where House is very similar. Of like, he's a huge fucking liability, and which is why mm-hmm. they explicitly tell him he's not to interact with patients. Yeah, and it's well, you know. But he solves problems. It's like, yeah, but he also causes so many yeah, problems. And that's why we put well. him in a special office where all he has to do is just diagnose. Pete is a diagnostician. Like he mm-hmm. interacts with patients as and when he feels like it, but we don't force him to because we know it's going to be an absolute fucking nightmare. Mm-hmm. But it's just yeah. Oh dear. Just Lucas. When the fake doctor cells say something so hospital phobic, you gotta hit them with the doctor hamster. <laughs> that's just so funny. Because he's just so handsome. The thing is, when you said you were talking about a TV show on the podcast, where, like, again, we don't put clips in. Yeah. Because, you know, that's the that's kind of the point of the podcast when people tell me to, like, put clips and pictures in. is like, it's an easy edit. That's kind of the reason why people do podcasts. Go watch clips of Dr. Ham. They're all amazing. Um, but, like, I'm kind of glad that we don't don't have to it infuriate people right. to this show because it just sounds like, yeah, it sounds infuriating to watch. It, that's the thing, and that's why I'm watching it, because, like... It's good to, like, shows like this where you watch them and you just get pissed off that it exists. Mm-hmm. And then you realise it's like, okay, it's like when you watch, like, old episodes of Friends and they're just, like, so fucking homophobic. Oh, and yeah. You, watch, you know, you get annoyed. It's like, yeah, but like, it's good to, you know, 10, 15 years ago, this was acceptable. Like, they were allowed to make jokes like this on TV because no one, like, gave a fuck. Maybe 20 years ago. Yeah, know. and the people who did give a fuck um, just didn't have their voices heard and now they do. And things like, you know, social media allows these voices to be heard. Mm-hmm. You know, these experiences that are clearly not reflective of what the experiences of the writers have. Uh, dear. But yeah, I guess just, you know, to end on, let us know which wiki won this week. He's got he's Dr. Discord. Han, right? <laughs> that's the thing, your thumbnail for this one's so easy. You just got to hit him with that Dr. Han stare. Look at him. You've got to. Look at him, he's so handsome. <laughs> If people aren't clicking on a Daniel Day Kim thumbnail, what are you doing with your Like eyes? Johnny Gat, man. Johnny Gat giving you no fucks. Wait, it's Daniel Day Kim. He's Johnny, Johnny Gat, yeah. Is he? He's Johnny Gat. Oh, I didn't know that's that. The, he's the one, he's known for two things. It's like Jin from Lost and Johnny Gat. I prefer him as Jin so, from Lost, yeah. but he's also like um, a producer. Yeah. For this yeah. show. That's what people then people are saying, like just scrub your name off that. People like, oh man, Daniel Day Kim, like just what an absolute fucking chad who just hires himself as the villain, shit talks the main character, and then leaves like a boss on his own terms. <laughs> uh, thank you everyone for listening this week. Yes, as always. Cheers, Roddy. Yeah. Go hit us up in that Discord. Go hit. Thank you for listening. Go hit everyone with that hand, Chad Stare. <laughs>